Blog Talk Radio. Black free thinkers, where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. Free thought, we don't walk by faith in the lost mind state, cause it's not quite safe. We don't recruit, we're not peers from a church, so don't be spooked, we're not here to convert. The only truth that's not pulled from a text, show me proof that's not good after death. This is the challenge to think for yourself, break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310982 4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through The next tree branch is Rainer and it's best you listen to Reason, science, and skepticism It's loaded with straight facts, inspiring and dope She can make Bill Nye retire with lab coat Humans are hilarious and every other Friday I'd like to hear commentary on culture people So I hit up Super Mario and bring in Emmeline To discuss why we're capable of ultra evil It's normal for my brain to have a two-way street But if there's collisions, well then you got to just mention it and don't be afraid of where the truth may lead Ignoring your position of cognitive dissonance When Father Teresa preaches, it's hard to stop So Kim paired me up with Alfred in the barbershop I have a extended family in all these places now As the free thought tree pollinates around yeah. This is the challenge to think for yourself Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through Where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night We don't walk by faith in a lost mind state cause it's not quite safe Wow, it's been a while hey, since I've heard song. Hey, is that Alfred over there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir, I can hear you just fine, and hello to everyone out there as well. Yeah, I, um, I have to apologize to the folks that, you know, actually enjoyed our, our show, because I've, I've been, I don't want to say under the weather, because that sounds temporary. I'm actually, uh, I just scheduled a colonoscopy, uh, next week to see if I have a genetic uh, disorder, the same one that uh, retired my cousin from the military, which is an ulcerative colitis. So um, I'm hoping that I don't have it or do have it and it's treatable or something because it's, it's not nothing fun to deal with. But, you know, that's that's just the way the dice rolls, and it's kind of a little token of information for folks to reduce stress in their life and to stay as healthy as you can to help fight off stuff like that. So, a little PSA before we begin. Ah, man, definitely. It's, it's just good to hear your voice, man. So, you know, you know, I know folks that deal with um, illness and things like that. So just to you know that you're doing whatever you can to keep on your feet, that's good news for me, and I'm I'm sure everybody else is listening. So, you know, you're just staying good health, brother. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's really what it's about. But um, this, I had a... I had a little tough time trying to figure out what topic to pick because I wanted to talk about some pop culture stuff. But I remember that I made a Facebook post uh, trying to figure out what next uh, YouTube video I was going to make. And my mother actually suggested that I do a video on moral relativism. And I was kind of shocked because she really, I know she listens to the show and she watches my you know, YouTube channel and whatnot, but I didn't expect her to offer one. But I, she, is, she is one of the people in my life, one of the main um, proponents for critical thinking, which she is still a, a theist of sorts, but a big proponent of critical thinking. So I know she would be really intrigued by this show. So uh, I want to go ahead and just let's, let's, let's talk about the, the, the basics. We'll start there of morality itself, because I think it's one of those uh, really misunderstood monoliths in our society. Uh, it's something that people mm-hmm. tell all the time, but 
very few actually understand what it is, like science. But um, the Webster's Dictionary definition is the um, equality of being in accord with standards of right or wrong conduct. Now, that's somewhat vague to me because right and wrong are relative terms. That, to me, that tells me initially that what I consider right might be wrong by somebody else. So um, I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to you, Carl, so um, get some input uh, from you as to, I guess, your perspective, your personal perspective of morality in the basic form. Um, I think I, I think I have the same thing, um, but it, it's it's a little to me it's a little bit more complex. There again, um, I agree with you in, in the definition of it. You know what moral relativism is that you know what I may think is right, what I may have been raised to believe, what what I think is it, what I grew up understanding what what is right or what is wrong. Um, it, you know it's it's it's. It couldn't. It, it might not. What I think is right and wrong might not be the correct way of thinking. And um, you know, I sometimes sometimes I'm on the fence about it. Or I think I think of moral relativism in a more complex um, um, way than just well, you know, it, 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 for me it's more than just hey, you know, I could be wrong, and you know, this might be their way of doing it, and to them that's right, and. In some cases, for me, yeah, that's cool. There's, in some cases, the way, but but then there are other cases where, for me, there's a universal, um, there's a, there's a more universal way of looking at that, or a more um, encompassing way of looking at it. Like, listen, this is wrong across the board, or this is right across the board. Um, this is how you treat a person across the board, and this is how you're supposed to behave across the board. Sometimes, you know, your, your mileage may vary on certain parts of the issue, um, but for me, like, um, in, in regards to that, some of the things that you sent me to, firstly, you know, discuss the topic further, um, yeah, there, there are folks who think that a certain way of behaving towards people, a person of color, a person of a different gender, a person of a different sexuality, um, culturally, that's the right way for them to act. Or, or, for me to see it, it's like, no, that's wrong. And I think uh, uh, it's, I think that's not just a, hey, that's just me coming from a Western culture or, a, or, or this society thinking it's wrong. I think it's, you know, it should not be done, period, because it gets in the way of somebody's uh, human rights or somebody's rights, you know, sexual rights or gender rights or racial rights. So um, it, to me, it's a lot more complex than, you know, maybe it's just different how they do it over there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not the, best, the world's best intellectual or the world's best philosopher, but that's how it breaks down to me. That's how it breaks down, more relatively breaks down to me. And you actually kind of hit on one of the two aspects of moral relativism, which I'm going to get to in just a second. Um, but really, I've had this discussion with a few theists, and the issue is there's an assumption that, well, well, actually, here, here's what I agree with them. Human morality is imperfect. Of course, anything about us isn't perfect. That's, I, that to me is important. But to them, morality is this monolith, this unmoving, unchanging monolith that, that must stand, and it must be a shining light in this dark, dark world in their magical uh, spirit realm where there's demons and angels and fairies and bastards fighting each other and all that cool stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> of course, I can't agree with that <laughs> point of view. So what we initially get to is, well, is murder wrong or is rape wrong? Or, you know, one of, one of the, the top uh, heinous crimes that we can think of in which you have to actually take a step back and remove the emotion from it and think, what's the scenario, what is the circumstance behind it that it could be moral? Because if, it, if there's a possibility for it to be moral, then it is relative and it is not objective. And I'll give you a prime right. example. We can say murder is wrong, but we, as a 
as a community, murder people all the time for killing other people. In that form, it is actually uh, moral. We give it another name, but it is still killing another person. Now, someone might say, well, you know, rape is, is you know, everybody considers rape wrong. And, and I guarantee you I could pull 300 people in America and, you know, maybe one or two might say, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it, but vast majority would say, you know, no, it's wrong. Well, right. it so happened, I, I don't know if you saw that link that I posted, or no, that I shared. Yeah, I did. Sorry. And that's a very interesting point to where now in, uh, in Africa, and I, I just lost the link to it, wow. Um, there is moral rape. There is a corrective rape, I'm sorry. Corrective rape. Two terms that should never be in the same sentence ever for any reason. But it is right. correct rape right. for lesbians so they can get back on the path to being the upstanding citizens that they need to be through being forcefully sexually assaulted. Right. This, act, this is how this comes from their Christian religion. This comes from their upbringing. This comes from it being reinforced by government policies that right. is the way to be. So guess what? The morality of that nation, that particular nation, I can't remember which one, but I just lost it. Link again. Uh, that is that is moral. Now, yeah. Um, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, I, I, I was done. I'm still trying to find this link. <laughs> um, it was um, yeah, because I read it not too long before we uh, started the show. Uh, it was South Africa, um, some parts of uh, Ghana, some parts of Uganda. Um, you'll see a lot of this where I believe a lot of colonization, where if you, if you look into a lot of countries, which is not to say that a lot of African tribal religions or a lot of indigenous African religions were perfect, but you'll see a lot of times when you look at the um, continent of Africa where European influence, especially as it pertains to religion, um, came, became a part of the culture, um, you'll see a lot of this weird twisting of it where, okay, it's already bizarre on our end of things here in America and in Western culture, religion is bizarre enough as it is. But then you'll see things like this where, you know, uh, 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 people will think you can rape the gay out of a person, which is quite frankly the most horrifying thing I've ever heard, um, one of the most horrifying things I've ever heard, or they'll pervert these already crazy and sideways um, um, tenets of religion, they'll pervert it even further, you know, to, you know, uh, uh, to some extremes that you would be beyond belief. Like the entire story is women who are being selected, not just by rapists, but family members. Your family members are actually offering you up to be raped and dehumanized because you are of a different sexuality. And again, they justify it by Verses that are almost indefensible in the Bible. I mean, what I read the story is, you know, the person who was defending it most vociferously was a priest and a pastor, you know, a South African preacher. So, you know, and he uses the Bible with his justification that he doesn't paraphrase. He quotes, you know, everybody's favorite anti-homophobic uh, part of the Bible as their justification for not just grown men going around and doing this to these young women, but they do it to, as teens and they're boys that are gathered and they're co-signed on it um, to do this to young women who are of a different sexuality, to dehumanize them. And uh, again, it, it, it brings me to a point that I, was, that I wanted to make. You know, you brought up murder and you brought up, um, you know, as it pertains to moral relativism. And for me, it's, Murder, I don't think he'd fit in, fit in the same thing. When you bring in rape and you bring in murder, here's the thing. Um, I don't necessarily call every time, anytime somebody um, has to kill someone, I don't think it's murder necessarily. You may have to kill someone. But murder, to me, insists malice. You know, like, there's no justified reason for you to have to have taken this person's life. To me, that's murder. That's different from having, uh, being in a situation that sometimes, you know, police officers... 
um, and I, I refer to the good ones, and members of the military in situations where, listen, there's no other choice. You have to take the shot because this person's life is in danger or you're protecting the public. That's totally different than, you know, poisoning one's wife. That's wrong. There is a just, you can make an argument for some, there being a scenario in which someone else's life has to be taken. Like the gentleman, Ariel Castro, who had the young ladies in the, in, in the house and tortured them for a decade. Um, yeah, that, that to me is not the same as, you know, uh, a, a, man, a, a man who plotted to kill his wife. It's not the same. To, for him to go to jail or get the death penalty, not the, it's not equally the same. And there is an argument that can be made for having to take someone's life. There's no other recourse. If this keeps going, you may just have to take someone's life. Most of our protective service law enforcement and our military are in situations where that may be a, a scenario that they do have to face, and they train for it. So they're not just walking around willy-nilly shooting people. It's a situation where this is the only recourse if we can't do something. So when it comes to, so I, I, I separate that a lot of times. When the moral relativism argument comes up, I tend to separate that because what would be a justified reason to rape somebody? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, there's a justified reason that you have a finger on the trigger and you have to pull that trigger, and I understand that. But uh, if we're going to make that argument, what would possibly be the justified reason, you know, to, 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 um, to rape a woman or to beat somebody senseless or to, or to harm someone. You know, you can justify killing a guy, but you can't really justify raping someone. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Or do you disagree? You know, can you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, I, I do see your point. And that's where, uh, and that's kind of an homage to it. It's your perspective of morality in those instances and mine perspective of morality in those instances is not it's not necessarily the same. It's similar, but not the same. And that's where mm-hmm. I want to get into the actual definition of moral relativism. And I am pulling this off the internet, the scary place where a few men uh how to navigate and find, you know, verifiable information. But if anybody's wondering, I'm actually pulling this from the Stanford EDU website. Yes, Stanford University. They actually publish information free to use, encyclopedias, all of this stuff. So, uh, moral relativism has an unusual distinction, both within philosophy and outside it, of being uh, attributed to others almost always as criticism far more often than is explicitly professed by anyone. Nonetheless, moral relativism is a standard topic in meta-ethics, and there are contemporary philosophers who defend forms of it. The most prominent are Gilbert Harmon, and David B. Long, the term moral relativism is understood in a variety of ways. Most often it's associated with an empirical thesis that there are deep and widespread moral disagreements and a meta-ethical thesis that the truth or justification of moral judgment is not absolute but relative to some group of persons. Sometimes moral relativism is connected to a normative position about how we ought to think about or act toward those with whom we morally disagree most commonly that we should tolerate them. That's the gist of it. And there's actually, uh, I want to say, two forms of it, which are descriptive moral relativism and meta-ethical moral relativism. Uh, The one that, uh, I'll I'll read the second one, and I think it's the one that you actually touched on, Paul, uh, meta-ethical moral relativism, the truth or false, uh, false of moral judgments or their justifications is not absolute or universal, but is relative to traditions, convictions, or practices of groups of persons. Uh, was that the one you were kind of hitting on a little bit? Kind of, kind of, sort of. Um, you know, and, and because we were discussing a, rel- a topic of relativism and it's you know, it, it, it's all relevant. Um, just like I said, um, there there are, to me, um, it's a universal rights and laws. Um, anytime, for me, it's really that simple um, sometimes. Uh, it, sometimes it's complex and we have 
they're gray, they're shades of gray and things like that. But for me, uh, a lot of my um, moral background, um, it, it, it's that there are things that if it harms another living being, then that's wrong. If it, you know, if it allows another living being to live uh, peacefully or to live as they see fit, then that's right to me. Um, that's how I look at it. Um, it, it may be uh, maybe more complex than that, and I, I certainly wouldn't disagree. Somebody, uh, you know, that's just how I, I, I see it. So there's some things where, you know, I wouldn't abide honor killings, even though to the guy who may carry it out, it's morally sound by the religious background he comes from. It's morally sound to kill a woman who wears a short skirt. But for me, it's not because, you know, uh, that impedes on her right to, A, express herself, and B, to simply exist. So it's kind of like that. And um, to what I touched on earlier, um, there has to be, in my mind, a justified reason for why you're doing this thing. Why would you even think of doing this um, thing? How could you justify what it is you're doing? If it harms another person, what's your justification for it? And if you can't justify it, or, or if, if it's not built on some kind of already disproven dogma, if it's built on that, then to me it's flat out wrong. That's a good point. Um, for me, when I have to discuss morality with anyone, uh, I always start with defining it because we have a tendency to automatically go to our own personal morality and not extrapolate it in, across the population. And just just in you know your own family or uh, in your own community, because I really can't say across the United States because they're different. You know, even even outside my uh, my cul-de-sac, there's going to be a different form of uh, moral <clears throat> justifications for anything, you know, on any given topic. So, right. Uh, the first thing that I personally do is something called um, uh, metacognition. I meta- metacognitively examine my own thoughts, and that's where the first form of uh, moral relativism comes in, which is the descriptive moral relativism. And I want to kind of strip myself of that, the, the, any emotion or any personal aspect of it to see if the morality that I'm going to be applying to any given topic or, you know, discussion is based on facts and, you know, empirical evidence. And I'll give the definition. Uh, descriptive moral relativism is as a matter of empirical fact, there are deep and widespread moral disagreements across different societies, and these disagreements are much more significant than whatever agreements there may be. This is often uh, thought to have been established by anthropology and other empirical uh, disciplines. However, DMR is not uncontroversial. Empirical as well as philosophical objections have been raised against it, since it is one focal point of debate. <clears throat> now, that is the thing. How, what evidence is provided for this moral judgment? If right. this moral judgment provides uh, proof that it is the correct way from the result, then is it truly the correct way or not? So that's what we have to kind of uh, understand about this particular one. It, it really is devoid of emotion to some degree, because you, you, you from that result, you're going to get an emotional response. But in deciding how to go about whatever it is, it is reliant on empirical evidence. So that's why right. that makes that, you know, a very, very interesting uh, point of view. Um, yeah. Uh, what? No, 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 no. I was listening to you. Uh, um, it, it just kind of follows up with with a with an interesting example. Uh, actually, for the one for metaethical moral relativism, which is the truth or falsity of moral judgments and justifications, uh, it says with respect to truth value, 
This means that a moral judgment such as polygamy is morally wrong may be true relative to one society, but false relative to another. This is a good example, like uh, Mormons. They, they consider polygamy correct according to their um, theology, but unfortunately, the United States does not recognize it as moral. Uh, and, and no, you raise a good point. But then that's, that in itself, you know, you, now you brought up polygamy, that in itself is also very complex. Um, uh, you know, yes, uh, we on the outside of a polygamous, um, you know, outside of Mormonism, you know, we view the polygamy as, hey, man, that's that's kind of trippy. That's not. And for me personally, the only reason I disagree with um, uh, 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 polygamy, and this is just. And I, I mean, you know, we are discussing moral relativism, but I, the only reason I would say it's wrong, or I would say it's wrong, is not by not because there is a man, a person with multiple spouses, but the only reason I would call uh, uh, polygamy as it's practiced, not just you know, by Mormons, but by a lot of societies out there, is that it that polygamy as we know it seems to follow and lend to a very patriarchal structure where, um, you know, the relationship is not equal. Everybody kind of defers to the male in that relationship, whereas it's not, you know, the women of these relationships do not have equal standing with, you know, I'm married, so I have equal standing. As as far as I believe, me and my wife have equal standing. You know, she's not beneath me, nor am I above her. You know, or vice versa. So, it to me, it works that way where we have equality. She's not submissive to me because of her gender. Whereas when we look at a lot of these polygamous relationships in America, in the Mormon community, or you know, in Western culture, or in or in other parts of the world, the man can have the person can have as many wives as he wants, but these wives don't have any kind of autonomy, and they seem to all defer to very archaic ideas of what women should be to men. Um, and that's why when, if I were to be discussing it, polygamy um, and on the subject of moral relativism, it would be wrong to me because women, because of that, that right there, the submissive nature of it. Um, if it weren't like that, I, I can't even lie and say I'd have a problem with it. it Maybe not me. It may not be something that I would do but I definitely would not look at it as morally wrong, you know? Exactly, and then that's you're deferring to the, the empirical evidence of why it's wrong and not just, you know, a knee-jerk reaction to, okay, well, he's having a harem. Well, no, there is an actual structure set up in that system that fosters inequality. So that's where it really gets kind of hairy, and that's where it, it's fine, and that's one of the points of moral relativism is to um, posit a question. Are moral disagreements rationally resolvable? And that's, it has its own section here, and that are all parties being objective? Are we looking at it from a purely subjective point of view? Are we seeing mm-hmm. it? Uh, the opposition's point of view. You know, there are different aspects, you know, to the proponents and the opponents of you know, whatever the topic is. And it's not necessarily right. cut and dry. Now, it, it brings up a good point. Is I was asked by a, a theist that, is my morality better than, let's say, a serial killer? Well, that depends. I would consider myself a more moral person because I'm not a serial killer in that one aspect, but who is to say that this serial killer is not a more moral person in another arena? You know, making one making uh, one person out to be this. I, I'm not trying to make a case with Hitler here. So I'm just trying to carefully crack my words. <laughs> I'm not trying to throw any one person under the bus because of a one aspect of their life. Granted, that one mm-hmm. aspect is 
very important, but we can't look at morality as the best thing that they do or the worst thing that they do because then you're just looking right. down the uh, – down, down with binoculars, and you're missing everything. You're not, you're not having a panoramic view of everything. And right. if you can't take and quantify everything about this moral person and how they use their own morality, then how can you make a moral judgment about someone else's morality? Which in and of itself is a bit nonsensical because your morality is not going to be the same as mine. I, I I doubt there are people that have the exact same moral standings on everything across the board. There is just so much stuff, so many aspects of uh, situations that you can take that, you know, scarce to find two exact same people to be on everything. No, you're absolutely right in regards to that. All of our morals aren't the same at all, but, you know, we can come pretty darn close. And um, I, 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 that, that's what my argument is. And, you know, to the theist that would have asked you that question, um, you know, are, are my morals better than the serial killer? Um, I, I would argue this. In some cases, a serial killer's morals are better than a theist, and I'll explain it as this. Um, serial killers almost across the board, be they psychopaths or sociopaths, under, you know, and we, like you said, you know, empirical evidence. Nine times out of ten, when you when you you know look at a lot of the serial killers, when they've been when they've been studied by you know by the qualified parties, now you'll find that sociopaths and psychopaths don't have acts. They're they're normally called amoral. So that means they don't have access to you know this argument doesn't even account for them because they don't have access to, they think whatever they're doing is perfectly fine because in their minds, however they're wired, it's not wrong or right. It's just what they do. You know, it's just tools that they use. It's not really anything that registers to them. Um, That's one thing. So, even, I'm not, again, it's not, I'm not playing sympathy for the devil, but the actions of a serial killer are understandable because in their brain, you know, however those wires got twisted, killing somebody and making decorative um, headbands out of their eyeballs, that's just how they're registered. Now, contrast that to a theist who would happily murder somebody or set them on fire because a book told them to do it. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, you know, when we talk, when we talk morality, there, there are people who assume that they are sane. I mean, even if you tell her, if you tell a, a serial killer that they aren't sane, you might actually have one agree with you. Charlie Manson's never doubted his insanity. He just thinks that he operates on a different wavelength than the rest of us. And in some, in, in, in honestly, in any psychological study of him, yeah, he kind of does. And so that's, a, that's kind of an explanation of his actions. Whereas these that we've seen that swear up and down that they are sane people, will advocate the killing of someone or, or the marginalization of somebody because they read it in a book. And to me, that's far more scary and twisted than the actions of a serial killer. They may have some kind of chemical imbalance in there. You know, a serial killer has some kind of chemical imbalance going on. And, and that's probably why they behave that way, whereas somebody you know, a religious person who would advocate uh, honor killing or that would advocate blowing up an an abortion clinic, they're just doing it because they read it somewhere. I mean, what scares you more? And what, you know, know, in the discussion, in the frame of the discussion that we're having, you know, that's a little bit scarier to me. There's no empirical evidence for that. And you bring up a good point. When you deriving all of your personal moral fortitude and standings from a book that is supposedly inspired by a being that is immensely, vastly different than yourself, are you really being moral? Exactly. That, that's just that's, that's, that's the first point, though. But it's always interesting when we get in these type of discussions <laughs> 
uh, will see us is that you're still operating, your morality is not objective. If your God has an opinion on something, that it's subjective. It is not objective because no. he has standing on it. That is his position, and you took up that position. It is not the same across the board. So right. saying that you know your position is unchanging and wavering is false <clears throat> because I'm pretty sure DC can change mine. As well as it's yeah. I I don't consider it moral at all. You know just for the just for the fact that there are conditions where you can stone you can beat slaves and uh, rape people and it's acceptable. That to me is not moral. Exactly. So you know those arguments that, you know, the Bible somehow the the moral fortitude of, you know, America, whatever, you know, talking points that they use, it's laughable. It, it honestly is. And I, I can't take that seriously um, in a discussion. There's that. And then there's, there's also part of the issue in which, you know, again, the Bible itself, this is not me and you as atheists making up stuff and saying things about theists. The Bible itself, how can you apply morals to an entity, in this case, you know, the biblical God, that clearly and, and has said on several occasions in that same book that my ways aren't your ways. You know, so he's saying, how can you apply morality to something that says that his level of morality isn't your level of morality? So why would you even try to apply it? You know, why would you even try? I mean, because it's moral in, in, to this to this entity, it's moral to wipe people off the face of the earth because of, you know, they have too much sex or they party too loud or they try to build a really tall building. It's okay to kill the entire planet by flooding. Um, that's the morality. I mean, what's your, how are you applying your morals to that? Or how are you gleaning morality from that? Where, how do you glean morality from an entity that would order a man to kill his son or that would sit idly by as two women get their dad drunk so he can make them pregnant? How are you pulling morality from... And it's not something, again, it's not me and you just being the mean old atheist making up things about, you know, the theists and religious people. This is their book. This is, you open it and they tell stories, you know, and say, yeah, man... That's that makes sense. How do you how do you pull morality from you know God telling Abraham to kill his own son, you know, and then say, yeah, man, it's wrong to kill people because the Bible says so. Not not really. No, it didn't. <laughs> no, the scenario was right there. So yeah, it, it, I don't I don't get that either myself. Oh yeah, sorry. Somebody just sent me a, a message about a guy on YouTube, but. It it's funny, not just because it's another talking point that's not really thought about, is that people don't look at things holistically. The initial and it's not anyone, any particular sect or, you know, you know, group of people. It's us as humans, it's a, it's a natural thing for us to first look at things from our own eyes and then maybe we'll look at it according to everyone else or someone else but we get so wrapped up in how we think and not if we are, we ourselves are thinking correctly and logically. And I think that's where it, it falls short. Um, and it's a, it's a particular problem for anyone of the theological standpoint because they have allowed religion to usurp their own thinking and have replaced it just with archaic texts um, from uh, some man in the clouds, supposedly. So having a intellectual discussion about, you know, the meta-ethical application of uh, someone using rape as a tool is almost top. With someone of, I, I would just say, Judeo-Christian uh, background, because their own text supports it. So Posing that, posing a question of morality to someone who is a you know quote unquote heathen is very ironic because right. even say that our you know morality itself is relative, 
that does not mean that any of us just throw morality and ethics out the window. And I, and I think that's where uh, the misunderstanding is or the miscommunication is because they don't understand how moral relativism works or how morality actually operates and that it is not a monolith. So uh, we have to do a better job of communicating that here is this concept that has been around since uh, Socrates, has, has been around since, actually I'll give you some names, because the historical background, uh, hell, I'll just go ahead and read the, the, the main paragraph here. Uh, Though moral relativism did not become a prominent topic in philosophy or elsewhere until the 20th century, it has ancient origins. In the classical Greek world, both historian Herodotus and the Sophist uh, Pythagoras, uh, almost murdered his name, uh, appeared to endorse some form of relativism. The latter attracted the attention of Plato and the uh, Theocritus. Uh, it should be noted also that in that the ancient Chinese Taoist philosopher, uh, see, Chung Zhu, uh, put forth a non-objectivist, non-objectivist view that is sometimes interpreted as a kind of relativism. So even back during, you know, before the 20th century, we were considering our own moral fiber. We were thinking about our actions and thoughts really in line with what we consider good. Why, is, why, why do we consider this good? Why do we have good? You know, what is this? And starting yeah. from that point is where I feel it would be best for folks to uh, explore and, like I said, metacognitive, um, in a metacognitive sort of fashion as to examine your own way of thinking just to see if you are being objective, even though, <laughs> even though that is silly when you say it out loud or write it on paper, you know, you thinking that you are objective when it's almost impossible for you to be objective about yourself. But just the thought that you put into it would be worth more than just assuming that this monolith of a concept is the same across the board and has always been the same because it has not Yeah, I mean, uh, in that article that you provided was corrected, like, you know, it, it, it discussed also, you know, it, it named a lot of places, sadly, with large black populations, you know, that really does hurt my heart often. But um, they brought up Jamaica, where, you know, it's, it's kind of a really bad, you know, at almost epidemic levels where people of, uh, you know, lesbian, bisexual, transgender people, they're being attacked and in some cases killed, you know, for being of a different sexuality. And, you know, I come from a Caribbean family and basically everything boils down to if you, you, you can't have this conversation, basically. Moral relativism, in their minds, it's right because, and they all use that same verse, that one Leviticus verse, you know, where people who appear sane and sound sane until this, this issue arises, um, you know, only have one thing, you know, that's, that's the long and short of it right there. You know, you got to kill them. Well, why? And if you can't, you know, if you can't sit, I, I think, again, you know, we brought up that serial killer thing where, you know, you can't act, those guys can't access their emotions. They can't access their morality for whatever reason. So that explains their actions. What's the explanation here? I mean, to me, it's, you know, it's very scary where somebody can make that leap. Somebody who seems normal and sane and has access to emotions can go by one word, one verse in an 1,000-year-old book and go from this to, yeah, sure, I'll murder somebody because they're of a different sexuality than I am. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a very scary thing. Um, these people, like these folks that claim and adhere to religion and adhere to, um, they don't take that, that step that you're suggesting where they do this little self-reflection. And, and, and you're right, it is complicated to 
be objective about oneself, but they don't even take that moment of self-reflection like, is, is what I'm thinking, is what I'm doing, is what are my actions, are these right? If not good, are they right? You know, for me to, because of, of one line of, of, of verse I read from a, from a translated book, it's for me to think that it's okay to murder or harm a person because they're different than I, you know, because that it's very scary to me that they don't even take a second to stop. Like you can, at the drop of a hat, at the snap of a finger, sure, you know, you go from uh, being okay, happy-go-lucky to the snap of a finger, being willing to kill someone, you know, because they're not, in your opinion, normal. Uh, and you don't really have any other kind of, you know, empirical evidence to justify what you're about to do, I find that extremely scary. <laughs> um, you know, scarier than I've ever been afraid of any, you know, murder like crazy mass murderer person. And it is. And I get, you know, crap for bringing up stuff like that. Well, you know, if you want to have your theology to be your moral rock and your basis for everything, then this would be a really messed up society. Do you, you know, and I, I always bring up the question, or the actual point that, don't you know that if you actually follow biblical morality that you'd be arrested? It, don't you find yeah, that strange yeah. supposedly Christian society? It, I mean, really, it, does, that, does that not strike you as strange? So, to use that book as a basis for morality when all the law are, we have laws that contradict what it says and that you will be incarcerated on some cases for the rest of your life for following them, then it's not evidently morally uh, relevant. If this, is society, if this society was actually uh, molded around Judeo-Christian, or um, uh, I, would, I won't say that, I'll say I'll even say Abraham because it includes even Islam because it has some aspects that besides Sharia that also coincide. So I'll say Abrahamic uh, religions that we would have a vastly different society. There would be no women's suffrage. There would certainly be no civil rights <laughs> for uh, most of anybody. So that's it's just not true. And don't forget incest. There would be a lot of incest. <laughs> it's like if you read that, I mean, that that's the funny thing. Like I said, there's uh, a lot of things, and why the argument of moral relativism kind of falls flat when we're talking about theists, because uh, theists a lot of time have to cherry pick and cherry pick their religion if they intend to adhere to it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you can't. You can ask a theist. Hey man, is incest wrong? And they're like, yeah, it's wrong. But if you like the first five, six books of the Bible is just cousins, and, you know, brothers and sisters and cousins getting it on, and it's like, okay, if I, so again, it comes into like, how can you say that this thing is morally wrong? You know, whatever happened, eating shellfish, wearing mixed fabrics, being gay. How can you say that this is morally wrong, but, you know, like from Adam down, it's just a whole gang of dudes getting it on with their, like, first cousins, you know? How, I mean, how do you make that distinction and then call yourself moral? You know what I mean? No, of course. You cognitive business. That's how. I mean, that's, that's easy. It's <laughs> 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 wrong, but then, hey, no, it's, it's, it's wrong. But it's not really wrong, you know, it's, it's, Man the clouds that show them hell. That's man the clouds that show us right. But anyway, it's, it's it's funny to mention certain aspects like that, and then watch the apologist drivel just come out of nowhere and try and <laughs> dissuade you from your position as if it was you know somehow valid. But anyway, I digress. Um, I want to get a little bit into the better uh, ethical moral relativist position. Because I think this one is one more that I kind of uh, fall under, and uh, and I think it's the most interesting because it poses a few questions as far as 
one's own medic cognitive function. Um, it says uh, medical med ah, ethical moral relativist positions are typically contrasted with moral object objectivism. I cannot talk about. Uh, let us say that moral objectivism maintains that moral judgments are ordinarily true or false in an absolute or universal sense that some of them are true and that people sometimes are justified in accepting true moral judgments and rejecting the false ones on the basis of evidence available to any reasonable and well-informed person. And those last few words are, that's a, that's a gray area, well-informed. Uh, there are different ways of challenging moral objectivism. Uh, moral skepticism says that we are never justified in accepting or rejecting moral judgments. Other views, variously called moral non-cognitivism, expressivism, anti-realism, nihilism, etc., contend that moral judgments lack true value, a truth value, at least beyond the truth value implied by the minimalist claim that to assert that S is true is simply S is true simply to assert S. A related view, uh, the Arab theory claims that moral judgments are always false. And it just goes into different ways to view, uh, you know, subjective moral judgments. Um, and I, I like how it, it mentioned nihilism. And that's very, it, it, even though people don't really take nihilism all that seriously, because it's like, you know, the, I guess the, the emo stance uh, of, of the, philosophy, uh, the philosophy world, it still brings up yeah. a good point. Is anything truly valid since everything is, is passing, nothing is forever? Does it actually hold any value? And we have to ask ourselves that, well, well why does anything hold value? Because we give it value. Our money, our okay. thoughts, our feelings, you know, our possessions, they only have meaning because we give it to them. They don't implicitly right. have anything. So right. that begs the question, my moral fiber is only valuable to me because I deem it so. If I cast aside my morality, then it is no longer a value. It becomes valuable when I express it to someone else and they can interpret it through their own morality, but that still brings up the other point. Uh, I believe that's expressivism. Uh, someone feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that one's the expressivism, that I can be a morally just person and express this to other people, but then it can be interpreted as immoral or amoral. So is that action or is this thought really moral? Is it really true? Is it anything that I have a, I've just attached to it, whether it be positive or negative? So that's why I said in the beginning that people really don't think about morality in the way that it should be thought of. There's so much more that on behind the scenes and in one's own mind that people don't really, you know, give it credit for. And, you know, I, people get on me all the time, you know, because I tend to bash religion. Well, there's a there's a reason why that I bash religion in particular and not necessarily people is because it hinders thought. If you assume that your morality is the sum total of your morality as a person living 60, you know, 80-something 80, 80 years, can be contained in one book. You just send yourself short as a person, as a human being, as a constructive, you know, member of society. Just and as a as a thinking being, you send yourself so short that it's a shame to call yourself Homo sapien, wise being, when you're not being one. If you can't consider the moral fiber that you tout, that it is more complex than you give it credit for, and that you assume that it can be contained in uh, a, a text. Exactly. Um, you can't, uh, I mean, I, would, I feel sorry for any individual that would try to glean all of their morality from one source. I mean, can you imagine a guy whose entire opinion of women was based on songs from Too Short? 
do you really want to know that dude? You know, I mean, really. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's kind of the same thing. Uh, we learn, uh, and I was reading, you know, as we were getting into what this discussion was going to be, I was looking up some things. You know, I read the Stanford article, but I also looked it up on Wikipedia, and one of the first people that they discussed is Sam Harris and uh, his his um, uh, his opinion on, on moral relativism, and which I tend to agree with in parts, where, you know, he said, our morality evolves, much like everything else evolves, our morality evolves, evolves, with the introduction of new information, you know. So, you know, you may have come up thinking, let, let's think, let's, it, it may be right to own slaves, or it may be right for women not to vote, it may be right for gay people to be shot on sight, whatever you're, but with the, with the advance of information or with the introduction of new information, you change your behavior and you may actually wind up becoming a more moral individual. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so so I, I tend to agree with that. I mean, when you say, okay, everything that you're getting or everything that you've learned about morality came from a book when it was written, you know, it was okay to rape a woman as long as she didn't scream loudly enough to bring attention. Or if you gave her dad a horse, it was totally cool for you to rape her and then you can also make her your wife. You know, how are you building a lifetime of of of, 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 of any kind of good, any kind of useful morality if you're getting it from that one very uh, flawed source? You know, I everything that I've learned or anything that I think makes me more, I had to be exposed to new things and new information and then I had to, again, you know, where it might not be 100% objective because it's me looking at myself, I did have to do a little bit of self-investigation and say, well, gee, man, was the way I was thinking about this, was the way I was approaching this issue or this person or these people, was that the right way to, or is this the right way to approach these folks? And if the new information, you know, shows that, my line of thinking wasn't the right way. To, I have to let it go, you know. But unfortunately, you know, and again, you know, not to bash Virginia, but the, but the truth of the matter is, no matter what kind of new evidence, no matter what kind of new information, no matter they keep referring back to this old thing and saying, no, I'm going to stick to that. And that's just not, it's, it's, it's not healthy to me. You know, even if with all the new information out there to show that, hey, it's wrong to do this, or you should, probably shouldn't be doing this, or it's immoral or amoral to think this way, they refer back to this, this one unchanging thing. And me personally, I don't think to be unchanging is a, is a virtue. I don't think of it as a virtue. You, you change when you present it with new information. You change and evolve. If not, you're stagnant, and you know it, it's, you should fall off as far as I'm concerned. It is. I mean, it's it's, it's so much more than and you know just this one episode. But you know, I suggest anybody that disagrees, feel free. You you have more. And that's the whole point. <laughs> Of this discussion, you know. inspired you know, inspired that thought, and you know, look up the it's uh, Plato.stanford.edu uh, slash entry slash moral hyphen relativism. So you can go and look up this stuff yourself, and you know, get into it. Look up, you know, th- th- this article uh, does not mention uh, metacognition. That's something that I looked up in my free time because I I knew there was a term for something that I was thinking about, and that's what it's called. Um, but mm-hmm. definitely look into that for any of y'all listening. And uh hope to be back more often. Uh, granted that my medical situation improves uh, a bit. <laughs> but uh, I think that's about the end of the show. Yes. Hey, man, you know, we're always hoping for the best. You you take care of yourself, stay healthy, and we'll gather back here uh, once again. And I look forward to all of our conversations. 
Oh, most definitely. All right, man.